funniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious or not. We deserve this win, man. Fox Sports 5 flying high in Motown. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, and then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like that's that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do than with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today we have a very special set of guests on the show. We have Deuce Mason and Morgan Reagan. I'm sure everybody listening here is very familiar with the Deuce and Mo podcast and all the work they do for the Kings and all sort of Sacramento media. Deuce and Mo, I can't say thanks enough for coming on, guys. Appreciate you having us, man. Seriously, thank you. Of course. Um, I'm always glad to talk with you guys. And the plan today is to talk about the 15-year player playoff drought and how oh, much man. that really uh, affects the fan base, the decision makers in the front office, and how much it should affect them um, from our point of views. And you know, as somebody that you know came to the team a little later, I don't feel like I have some connection to this 15-year player playoff drought, which I'm probably a little lucky there. But I mean, can you just talk through like being a fan and give me a little bit of like the fan base's perspective of a 15 year playoff drought and like going through that and finding the moments of happiness throughout these seasons of all these losses and kind of just like what that does to a fan base? Man, I mean, (laughs) talk about a roller coaster because it's not just the playoff drought, right? It was. In the midst of all that, the team may be going to Anaheim, maybe Virginia Beach, going to Seattle. So you had that with the combination of losing. I was at the Kings' last playoff game, Game 6, 2006, Kings Spurs. I was a senior in high school. I was working at KFC at the time, also interning at KHGK behind the scenes, and I had saved up money to go to the game. Little did I know that would be the last time I would see a Kings playoff game. And now I'm into my 30s. Like, it's insane. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, there's no doubt when you start talking about next year, if they miss the playoffs, playoffs which in all likelihood, they will. based on the odds, yeah. they will. Most likely. Like, that's the longest drought in NBA history. Yeah. In a league where over half the teams make the playoffs. So yeah, it's beyond painful when you've seen so many other teams go through rebuilding and get to the playoffs and have success. And the Kings have been the franchise on the outside looking in. Yeah. You you talk about the roller coaster. I think the roller coaster too, for me has to do with how I used to view this team and how my perspective used to be. Um, It used to be more emotional you know, growing up and it used to be not as realistic. And then as they were bad in my twenties, I just knew that I had to 
to approach it differently. And I started analyzing more and I started just like looking at the basketball side of things and just like nitpicking a lot of the different basketball angles. And it made things better in the sense of there was, there was pieces and people that gave me hope, but it never turned into what it needed to turn into. So now that I'm in my (laughs) thirties and that this could actually be happening, it's, um, deep down dark and depressing, but at the same time, I just used to it. That's it. It's, it's not that like, this is my standard as a fan, as someone who covers the team. It's not like, Oh, that's okay. This is my standard. But at the same time, I think it's ridiculous when people look at this squad and just think like magical things are going to happen to this market year after year after year. Yeah, but that's also, and Brendan probably could speak to this too, that's a, a portion. The other portion doesn't think anything good is ever going to happen because of what's happened the last 15 Absolutely. years. Absolutely. Well, and how often did this drought get extended because they were trying to end the drought? Right. I mean, <laughs> I, I think of uh, the year that they made the created space that they didn't need to create with the trade with Philly to sign Rajon Rondo, Costa Kufis, and mm-hmm. what Marco Bellinelli, I believe, at the time. And that was a great example of just trying to get into the playoffs. Yep. And to me, how I view it is you can't be trying – the, the drought is what it is, okay? It sucks. But for me, I don't want the Kings to just get in one year yes. and be like, hey, the drought's over, and then the next year they suck for the next 10 years. Like To me, it's about building – sustained success and trying to build a championship contender so we can all raise our standards again in Sacramento and go back to the time that was literally 20 years ago, the last time this team contended for a championship. And Brendan, that's why whenever I bring up the word patience, there's so many Kings fans that jump on that and go, we have been patient. We have been patient. Absolutely. You have been, but at the same time, there have been front offices that haven't been patient, right? So they like, whether it's firing people, whether it's putting new people in place, new coaches, um, sending people away because you believe that you can make the playoffs in one year and just not making some of the right decisions. It's like you, you need to be patient with some, with one squad and make tweaks. And the, the fact is there hasn't been that in years. Yeah. And I mean, do you feel like that's the case right now that there's some sort of patience? I mean, like the moves at the deadline are mm. what I would call patient but at the same time they weren't really sacrificing the future you know like there is young pieces but at the same time they're on the older end for what a lot of people consider to be a younger team and a younger core like does it feel like there's possibly another situation of they're trying to expedite this whole and the and the playoff drought well i mean i i hope not i mean i hope they're realistic about it right like it's you can't just go for that short term win, which would be the headline. Hey, if playoff drought's over, and don't get me wrong, if the Kings made the playoffs this year, we all know it would be an amazing feeling for this fan base to have that moment. But this fan base, I mean, we're not we're not talking about a bunch of idiots here. Like Sacramento knows basketball, 
and they want sustained winning. This is not just about that one year fix. Oh, I got the itch. It's it's all yeah. good. Yeah. Is anybody so going to care if they get swept two years in a row? Right. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's about building off of it, right? Like you have to, I mean, you think about those teams, even in the late nineties, when they finally made the playoffs with Weber and Jay will in that group, like it took them a couple of years. Like they had some really disappointing playoff moment. I mean, that first year against Utah, they took them to five, but then they, you know, were getting swept out by the Lakers. It took them a couple of years to finally get over that hump and beat the Suns and get out of the first round. So, I mean, first you got to get there, but I'm not saying, Hey, go ahead and load up this team with veterans and hopefully right. you just get in and no, like let's build, build it. And look at what they're building off of even last year. It's like, look how many people were so, I don't know about Rashawn Holmes because you know, he was on a losing team. That's been the mindset for far too long. If you see a piece, a valuable piece that you want to build off of, even if they were part of a losing squad, then you need to move forward with that. And I think even when we look into this offseason and we see all these names being thrown around for Ben Simmons, I'm glad whenever we hear like no Tyrese Halliburton, no De'Aaron Fox, that they feel like they have that much confidence in those two that they want to build on that in that they believe in their skill level and they believe that that can be part of this building patient process. Yeah. And I might sit a little bit on the other side with some of the Simmons uh, conversation specifically, but I, I do totally understand that. And, and the other interesting aspect to, to me here is that everybody's talking about building a culture this off season. And I think we see the pieces of that. It definitely seems like there's a, a base for that to be started with Davion. Um, Tyree seems to be very vocal about turning around the direction of this franchise. But, you know, I mean, what culture is sitting here that's going to celebrate just making the playoffs? Like, it, I get that it's different because the situation yeah. the Kings are in. But I think that if your goal is making the playoffs, that that's where the issue is. And I think like Deuce oh, was yeah. saying, where I'm at is like, as long as that's a stepping stone, right? It's an accomplishment because that's something you haven't been able to do for a while. As long as it shows that you are on to bigger things and there's more room to grow from there. Where I get scared is that your ceiling is the first round. Yeah. And I just don't know that like, sure, the fan base is going to feel great that the playoff drought ends. But I think, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, like I think the fan base would get pretty tired quickly of losing in the first round over and over at the same time. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think that's what happens anytime a team finally gets in. It's like, cool, it's that you celebrate that moment, but then what comes? Expectations. That's what happens when you win. I mean, I remember watching this. I actually went back. I used to, when I was super, when I was young, like in my teenage years, like 13, 14 years old, there used to be a website called kingstalk.com. It was a forum, but they also posted articles. And I would like bug the owner of the site to post articles. I found this article from 2004. <laughs> When the Kings got eliminated by the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, in seven games, that was the year Weber came back from the injury. They lost to Minnesota. Really disappointing. Anyway, I I was reading the piece and I was like talking about, hey, it might be time to blow this up and and maybe they look for a new voice and Adelman may need to go. Yeah. Oh and, yeah, and you and yes. you wrote something else about Doug Christie aging. Yeah, and yeah. Like <laughs> so I was very critical, but my whole point to that whole <laughs> this whole story is, you know. Like, yeah, expectations. All of a sudden, you, you get to the playoffs. It's not just good enough to get to the first round. And your point, Brendan, is exactly right. I was talking to Doug Christie about this months and months ago during the season before he became a, a Kings assistant coach. 
And, I, you know, I would talk to him about the playoffs. And he goes, you know what, though? You can't have the mentality of getting to the playoffs. Yeah. You have to have a championship mentality. As cliche as it seems, you need to everything you do, not only what you do on the court, but how you uh, go through treatment, how you practice, how you eat. Everything has to be a championship mentality because no player in their right mind should be satisfied with simply getting to the playoffs and being one of the top 16 teams like that's over half the league you gotta ha- you gotta strive for more than that and that's where we talk about changing the culture it's easy to talk about yeah it's much more difficult to actually do it Morgan. and that's why if it's 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 okay for me to stand back and have that a different mentality. It's okay for me to have different standards because when I look at an off season and I don't see splash moves, I realistically can look at this season and go, yeah, as of right now, I don't see them making the playoffs. And that's not only, it's not only speaking to what their roster is that's speaking to this Western conference and everything that is it, that they obviously have to compete against to get that spot. So I'm okay, and I think it's okay for other people to have that mentality. But when you when you are looking at these players and you're hearing them talk about playoffs and they're talking about trying to win a championship, it's not a joke. That needs to be their mentality no matter who the hell's on the roster. Absolutely, and, and I think McNair needs to have that same mentality. And I think from what he said, that, that seems to be the case from the few words we hear from McNair here and there. But uh, – yeah, he talks about, you know, sustained playoff success, eventual championship contention, which is exactly what uh, I want to hear. And I would guess that most people want to hear um, because, yeah, to me, I, I do really worry that the team makes the playoffs next year. And I, like like Morgan, I don't think that's particularly likely. But if that happens and, you know, the jury is still out on McNair and maybe if they make the playoffs, it's because there's a lot of progress and they're going in a different direction. But I worry that uh, McNair, Walton are, are given a lot of leeway if the team does make the playoffs, but then doesn't show much progress from there. Um, like a, a monkey lifted off the franchise's back that maybe ownership just just feels great just because they made the playoffs one year. And, and that really concerns me because it, it does need to be further than that. And I mean, it is it fair to say, I mean, the roster just needs more talent in order yeah. to shoot for further than the first round. Hey, you watch this league. Look at the best teams in the league. They have multiple all-stars and guys who used to be all-stars. The Sacramento Kings don't have an all-star. And I think De'Aaron Fox has a great chance to do that, whether it's this upcoming season or next year. I think he's an all-star caliber player. You start looking around the roster, who's the other guy? Like, I love Tyrese Halliburton. Does he have all-star potential? The Kings and Monty McNair better hope so because that... You need those pieces. What kind of pieces Davion Mitchell in the future? Right now, they, they don't have what they need to compete for a championship at this point. So, yeah, you look around the West, you go, man, Utah, they've got three All-Stars. Denver, they've got a couple. The Lakers, multiple All-Stars, right? I mean, go up and down the Western Conference, you got teams with multiple All-Stars. So that ultimately, that's what it takes. you got to add talent to this team and get yourself in a position to compete. You look at what they did in the past, and I'm not saying they need to take this blueprint because you know we all love it to talk about the early 2000s Kings because it's all Sacramento's had. I mean, eight winning seasons in 36 years that you're going to reference that a lot. But like they, they had to make moves like trading Corliss to open up a spot for a young Peja Stoyakovich who 
eventually morphed into an all-star. He wasn't at the moment, you know, like they had Chris Weber and some guys that were pretty good, but you, you have to make sure to find those guys in the draft. You have to make sure to make the right trades. And that's a challenge. Like it's not easy, especially in a smaller market. So Monty McNair's got his work cut out for him. And I think that this does come back to a little bit of the Simmons conversation and not just Simmons specifically, but yeah. I think disgruntled stars is kind of where Sacramento is going to be able to add this talent. And, and maybe you get a gem later in the draft in, in the teens. Um, you know, we've definitely seen teams do it with uh, Jokic as a second rounder. We've seen Giannis go, I believe, 14, 15. Um, so, I mean, that's certainly possible, but it feels like the most likely way to acquire talent. So that way your ceiling is further than just the first seed is really to trade for a disgruntled star. And this kind of brings me back to, I'm curious um, where you guys stand on possibly including Halliburton in a deal like this. Let's say not Simmons specifically, um, but Simmons, Siakam, like that caliber of player, because I guess Simmons has his own individual question marks. But if it comes down to like, you just need more talent, then I kind of feel like those guys have to be on the table. And I know the fan base is going to hate hearing this. I'm going to get some great tweets, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, But I mean, what it comes down to is that like, I feel like it could just be content with ending the playoff drought, then this roster's fine. You know, like if that's your goal and and you're happy with that outcome, then sure. But you kind of need to roll the dice every once in a while. No, at this point. Yes, you, you do. You do need to roll the dice every once in a while. And I think even when you talk about disgruntled stars coming to Sacramento, that alone is rolling the dice, right? You not not knowing if things are going to work out, if they'll end up being like a Chris Weber, if they'll end up being like someone else where it's like didn't work out, they didn't want to be here and you lost players in it. And that's why, too, I think if your belief in Tyrese Halliburton on the court and off the court is that he could be this, this just something to your team that is so special, so unique that you're not going to find it anywhere else in this league, then you've got to stick with that for a little bit. You know, because I think sometimes too, people look at him and when they do look at like, oh, well, you could get this name, you could get this name. I completely understand why you would throw him in there because it's like, well, he still has a lot to prove. But I also believe that the energy that he brings is so valuable. And I think that a lot of people today or whenever they listen to this podcast will be like, yeah, but that energy isn't going to bring winning. Well, it, well, it could eventually yeah. because we, we, people don't understand sometimes how important culture really is that the culture word gets thrown around so many times that sometimes there are teams and there are fan bases and people where it doesn't mean what it should mean. But in Sacramento, you have to, when you're losing this much, you have to have and start building a much better culture because you are going to have to keep building with a good team, not the all-star caliber players. But if you could build a system that works for a good team, you see what some of the best teams in this league can do together. Sure. Some of them have some of those all-star caliber players and multiple of them. But at the same time, there's other teams that's like, Oh, you don't want to play them tonight. They're, you know, they're that team that grinds it out every night. They get up in your face. They have this type of energy and they just bring something different. I feel like Tyrese Halliburton can bring that for this entire team. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the reality hard. is Tyrese is an asset, right? Like right. teams around the league, if they're talking to Sacramento, and especially if like Brennan's what Brennan's bringing up is a disgruntled star, like 
Teams are going to ask about Fox. They're going to ask about Halliburton. They're going to ask about Mitchell. You don't necessarily want to give those guys up. It's a case-by-case basis for me. Would I do it in a Simmons trade? No, I would not. I would right. not. I just, I, I would, I don't know that you have to, especially with like what the market is. Like they, they've kind of backed themselves in the corner. That situation is just really chaotic. So I'm not saying those guys are untouchable because it'd be ridiculous to say they're untouchable, but I would much rather keep Tyrese Halliburton in the Kings uniform. For so many different reasons yeah. is my point. Yeah, totally. And I think that the interesting aspect of like the building a culture is while you can be, you know, the gritty team that guys don't like to play on a night in night out basis, if you're still losing a large majority of your games, it's going to be pretty hard to do it. So, um, but Tyrese is the interesting guy to me this year where I don't know what his ceiling is. You know, he has this like elite role player label, it kind of seems. And I was definitely guilty of giving that to him. But with some of the shot creation that he displayed last year, like something I just didn't see at all at Iowa State, he could be a difference maker when it comes to even just outside of the locker room and his presence, which is obviously a big aspect. But when it comes to his on-court production, like he could be a multiple-time All-Star. And I think that like next year, that's going to be a storyline that I am really watching for when it comes to Tyrese is how his off-the-dribble and self-creation development really comes along um, because it's it's going to be a really big thing for this franchise. But I think, yeah, um, yeah go ahead. No, I think to your point, though, like if, if you believe he's got that type of ceiling, then you, you probably hold on to that guy. I, I mean, you talk about a guy who's under a team. He's under his he's on his rookie contract. Yeah. If you believe that he can turn into that, like you see and, you know, they, they see how it works behind the scenes. They know what type of person he is. If they believe right. that, then I think you stick with it, because, again, it goes back to our the point at the beginning. You don't just appease the fan base by making a trade to get into the playoffs it has to be bigger than that do you think the fan base would respect like trying though i know tyrese is like a fan favorite but at some point like yeah i I know you guys had a mark spears on and he was saying that he would just respect the effort right after everything that the sacramento fan base has been through and the organization just losing for so long i mean do you think that the fan base would understand a little bit or is it pretty hard to be forgiving after 15 years Case by case. Yeah, it, who's the guy? Exactly. Because again, if it's Ben Simmons, you know, this fan base, there's going to be a lot more people that aren't happy with that, aren't happy with losing someone like Tyrese Halliburton in the trade for Ben Simmons. But if it was someone like Pascal Siakam, I still think you get some people like, no. And then other people like, yeah, but look what Pascal Siakam has done in the past in his resume. So it really just depends on who the trade is for, who is involved. But at the end of the day, you you have a pretty unique fan base here that connects with the type of players that Tyrese Halliburton is. And that's a guy that brings that effort every night, that energy, that joy, just something different to the city. Still need all-stars, though. That's Still the need all-stars. Um, I would also say this. We talked some. how are the fans going to feel? If you're the Kings for an office, you can't care about that. Because you know what they, they will love? is if you put a consistent winner on the floor. So like, don't, that's all you yeah. need to do is go, go build a winning team and don't worry about winning headlines. Don't worry about, Hey, yes. Hey, Twitter, like this move or Hey, Twitter says we should do it. It's not about that. Like just go win games. If you go win games, this city, if this team <laughs> is around 500, will go crazy. You know, if, if that moment happens next year, it'd be insane. So just, just put a winning product. Don't focus on, Oh, okay, but will the fans like this, or will they not, or will they will they respect this risk we're taking? Who cares? 
Just go do what you believe is going to put a winning product in Sacramento for the first time in a decade plus. Totally agreed. And I think that was kind of the whole base of where I started with this conversation of just like, I really hope the front office doesn't consider this playoff drought when making decisions. Like, I just don't think that that should be factored into your decision-making. You should just be worried about success the same way that you would with any other organization, even if they've been 15 years in a row and you were trying to build the Spurs. I I don't think that you should go about it a different way just because there's a history of losing before McNair even got here. Um, That's my, that's my main point with that. I completely agree because it's again, Monty McNair, is not responsible for the previous 14 years. Right. Okay, yes. like, That's just all there is to it. So that's where when Morgan brings up the patient thing, it's like, yeah, I kind of like, I don't like the patient war because Kings fans have been but, patient. But yes, you have to be patient with the new front office and be realistic. Like they've got, it's not like he acquired some championship roster. He acquired a very flawed yes. situation that they're trying to figure out. Absolutely. And I think sometimes, too, people just think it's like, oh, it's just magical. Like someone new, a change happens and then everything clicks and comes together. And that, uh, you you realize these are human beings trying to work together to be better than other teams. Like it's just not realistic. It's not how things work. And it's especially not how things work when you don't have the top of the top players in this league. Absolutely. I think we're all on uh, pretty similar pages. As long as the ending the playoff drought is just a stepping stone in onto greater things and not just being stuck with your ceiling all of a sudden going from the ninth seed to the eighth seed and winning one game. And that's maybe fun and exciting, but doing that over and over, I think the fan base would get tired of being what Orlando has been for the last couple of years, even though, you know, I think at first it would be enjoyable. Um, The goals need to be higher than that. And Hopefully that's that's where it's at. It seems like, again, that's where McNair's head is. And that is what I'm hopeful for. Um, but I want to close with a random question that has oh, nothing yeah. to do with basketball at this point. Love it. And I'm absolutely stealing this from, uh, I believe it's the JJ Redick podcast. It might have been the um, long shot Duncan Robinson one. I've been playing a whole lot of 2K since it came out and just listening <laughs> nice. to all of their podcasts. Um, and this question felt like a great one for you guys. If you only could use one utensil for the rest of your life, what would it be? A fork, spoon, or knife? Because someone's gonna, one of you was gonna say spork. I'm sure. <laughs> it's and it's a great question. It well, you know what's weird about this question is I was just <laughs> deuce earlier today before the podcast because he grabbed a fork for some burrito because he's like, oh, you know, sometimes it falls apart, and I'm like, just eat it with your hands, you know. So <laughs> I guess for me, because I am caveman status, I would eat everything with my hands, but cut it all with okay. a knife. So a knife for me. Wow, that's interesting. That's actually a, knife, a really yeah. okay. Thank okay. you. But like, what do you what do you I, need I can a cut knife my for? plants? I can cut my fruit. You know what? Can, what about like su- like soups of any type? You just guess you what? Say I no slurp it, Brendan. Slurp it. I slurp yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I you know what? I I kind of lean the knife thing after Morgan's thing. I was gonna. Su- You're welcome, everyone. Yeah, because I I, oh, I don't so you I, well, I don't because I was like oh I don't eat meat so what am I cutting? Fruit, oh. veggies, potatoes. So can't you cut that? Uh, I guess most of those things I feel like you could cut with a with a um, fork, with the side you, of a fork. You guys, yeah, yeah. Stop I might it. go for. I'm going fork because I don't like messy hands. I'm going that fork. That is so weird. Can it's we agree not- that spoons last though? Like it's not a spoon. It's, yeah, yeah, it's not a spoon because I, I there's some moments I love spoons, but but think about you guys when you have rice and it's just like 
rice and little things cut up <laughs> and then the fork it just all falls off the fork that's annoying what are you gonna but do you, with your knife yeah what is it yeah use your I'm hands use right my hands. i'm gonna yeah. scoop with my hands my hands can be used uh, as a fork slash uh prongs and spoon oh, you should i can only you imagine could... the underneath of your nails right now <laughs> i was gonna say you should, i wish the camera was on right now because you would see morgan you like trying to figure out ways to use her hands <laughs> uh, i'm genius I think I'm think I'm sticking with a fork though. Wow. Okay. Have fun with that life. No, I I think I agree. The fork. I mean, your explanation is fine. I just don't like messy hands. I don't want to touch every. It's just gross. You got to wash your hands all the time. So you're nonstop. You're back and forth. No, I'm fork. Hundred percent fork. Have fun with your forks, guys. Have fun with your messy hands. Yeah. I, I mean, all the time. I, I will. I'm not going <laughs> to shake anyone's hands if I'm if I can only use one utensil in my life. I'm probably not seeing anyone anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, guys, I want to say that the work you guys have been doing is phenomenal. Um, I don't know how you live stream your entire life away um, and just ridiculously entertaining. I've struggled with topics and you guys have them left and right all the time. Great guests. Uh, for some reason, anybody listening isn't listening to Deuce and Mo. Um, I highly doubt it. But what are you doing? Definitely check it out. Deuce Mason, Morgan Reagan. And again, I can't say thanks enough for coming on the show, guys. Well, we appreciate the kind words. Seriously, yeah. the support means a lot. I know we have a lot of similar listeners, so it's just cool to see this community who has dealt with losing forever <laughs> still want to consume a ton of content about the team. So we appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you, Brandon. Of course, and thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. Uh, definitely check out all the work going on at the King's Herald, their 30-question series right now, and take a look at the Patreon to support local independent King's coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the King's Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.